Welcome to a Disco Duck episode of The Only Looks Thin. Wow. I am your Disco-tastic host, Catherine Weigel. I've lost about 145 pounds, and with me today is Disco Duck. Donald Duck (laughs) Weigel. (laughs) And I have lost about 100 pounds, uh, mostly through the power of disco. Uh, Exactly. And we're here to tell you all about our new disco diet (laughs) for some reason. We are always on the white hot leading edge of uh, the diet trends. We really are. And, uh, you know, disco is no exception. We're taking it all the way back to the late 70s. Um, It's so funny. Before we were recording this, Catherine, Catherine was like, we've had, like, the episodes lately have been, like, really full of chuckles, so I <laughs> want to be... just keep it serious. I want to be serious, and then she opens with Disco Duck. Well, we're going to talk about treats coming out at night. Oh! The treats come out at night, which is just... Definitely on the top 40 right now with Casey Kasem. Everybody's uh, doing yes. the dance, doing the duck. Do you remember, was Disco Duck on the Rick Dees? Uh, Rick Dees was the Disco Duck. He wrote and made that song. Wow. Yeah, no, I remember him performing it on Solid Gold like it, when I was a kid. It felt really important. It really did. I was probably, I don't know, I was probably seven or eight years old. Yeah, was, Rick Dees performing it on Solid Gold. Was Disco Duck Donald Duck also? Or was it a different duck? No, I don't think it was uh, endorsed by Disney. So I think it was just, he was just doing like a Donald-like voice till he could get away with Disco Duck. Wow, that's crazy. I always just associated it with you because of your sweet dance moves. But yeah, thank you. Getting in neat. Thank non-exercise you. Non-exercise activity thermogenesis. There, I yes, said it. Yes, I am super neat. Uh, but yeah, so disco. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode uh, of We Only Look I thought thin. we were talking about, about like freaks and treats and <laughs> coming out at night and I thought it was more that song to me was always more spooky scary like it was all like it was about zombies or something oh interesting yeah you know what it okay when I was a kid that's what I thought I know like the freaks come out at night I know like that's not really what that song's about well but. I think it's really funny how in the early 80s and maybe it's that way too but whenever we listen to music with our daughter now that is vaguely inappropriate or is a theme that might be beyond her scope. I'm like, we're not listening to the song with you. But like, I remember listening to White Lines when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And being like, this is a groovy disco beat. Oh, and I'm for like, sure. oh, it's about drugs. Yeah, yeah. Again, Much with another later. drug reference with the White Much later. Or like, Frankie Say Relax. I didn't yeah, know what that no. was all about. Don't Google it, everybody. No. Don't Google no. it. <laughs> back, I just thought it was a cool song back when it came out. Yeah. yeah it's, I should have probably known a little better at that point, but yeah, I white, didn't. White Lines was was not about snow. No. No, it was not. But uh, it was not about uh parking inside the lines, <laughs> which is what I assumed it was about because I'm a goody two shoes. You know what? When I was a kid, I thought that Man Eater by Hollow Notes was about Jaws. Oh yeah. Like no, that's she about only sharks. comes out at night. Yeah, that's about sharks. She's for man eater. Because sure. she literally Wait, ate it's not men. about sharks? <laughs> no. What? It's about ladies on the dance floor, I think. I don't know. If All you right. know what it's about, let us know. Please let us know. <laughs> we only look thin at gmail.com. So speaking of uh, of spookiness at night, the treats do come out at night. If you recall from our last episode, we did work in nine to five. Yeah. We poured ourselves a cup of ambition and told you how to manage uh, your career in uh, managing your own health. But... What it's, happens when you come home the at night? The alarm bell rings, you take off your tie, you get your smoking jacket and your pipe as you do, yeah. and, 
and, and you sit down in your Barker lounger and you chill out at night, don't you? Yes. Every jacket that I wear is a smoking jacket, <laughs> if you know what I mean. No, but like back in the day, it was like, oh, you get home. Right. And then it's your time. Right. It's not, you're not on the clock with the man. Yeah. You're, it's your time. And uh, it turns out that we use food as a reward for a hard day's work. Don't what? we, Donald? What? Why didn't anyone tell me this sooner? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I did that for most of my life and didn't really realize I was doing it until, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah. So uh, back in year one of We Only Look Thin, we did an episode uh, called We Only Look Thin After Dark. Oh, dark, we did. Dark. That was I love that opening episode. Yeah, I did, too. Good. See, but dark, dark. I don't think we got enough credit for it, frankly, at the time. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it because it is magical. Yeah. The opener is very smooth. Yeah, we we laughed about it like so hard <laughs> we could barely get through it, and then like we got very little, very reaction little to reaction. It. But we have a larger audience now, so maybe uh, go back and listen to just the beginning because it is a smooth jam. It is a smooth jam indeed. But we uh, we often think just because we've said something once that we don't have to say it again. Turns out we have to say things over and over again, not only for our fine listeners but for ourselves as well yeah i don't remember what my point was from last week with nine to five really no no i don't know we just wanted to talk about dolly parton no that's not true i actually do remember but i do like it is it is really good to remind myself even you know part of the reason we started this podcast was to keep ourselves on track and to remind ourselves of these things and and the basics and why we are we're able to get to our goal weights and how we've been able to maintain for three years now so in the spirit of revisiting topics, we are going to talk about nighttime treats and uh, how they sabotage our efforts. Uh, we have a lot to say about it. We're going to tell you about how treats happen. We're going to tell you about how to stop them. And then we're going to talk about mindset. Yeah. Stop the treats. Just exactly. Stop so the first stop on this disco train is to talk about what <laughs> nighttime treats mean to you. I know for me, I spent so much time just really, I know we were just joking about it, but I get home at night, I'm exhausted, and I've made so many decisions during the day. I just, you know, nighttime's for me, nighttime's for snacks, and that got me uh, about 150 pounds more than I weigh right now. That didn't really work out. And I think I spent a lot of my day kind of putting on a face or putting on a show for the people at work where I would bring these big salads to work and... I, I never I would, see you eat anything. I know. I would, I would, you know, quote unquote, be good all throughout the day. And then I would get home and just want to destroy all of the, the cheese and the whatever. I shouldn't talk, name, start I, naming food. I imagine but like, like Godzilla, but the there's kitchen. like a cheese land. Exactly. And Tokyo is cheese and you're just stepping on it. And instead of stepping on things, I'm eating, eating them, it. just putting them in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. But like Donald said, we waste all of our resolve. Not, not waste it, but we spend all of our resolve in the daytime. So we exhaust our supply of willpower. And others have talked about it. James Clear has talked about it. Our dear friend about yeah, how... Big fan of the big show, fan James of the show. Clear. We have hundreds of choices that we make every day where to park, what to, you know, what to put in our coffee, where to sit, all these different things, uh, whether to blow through a red light or not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't but do it. Don't do it. But we make all of these decisions all day. And by the time nighttime hits, 
we are exhausted and we have exhausted our supply of willpower. And so many of us think that willpower is what will get us through. We pass up the candy dish at work. We don't get the bagel in the morning and we feel like we're making, you know, all of these really important choices. But willpower erodes throughout the day. Think of it like a battery. You're at full charge in the morning. You've got a fresh start. No mistakes have been made yet. And by the time five, six o'clock rolls around, you are running on empty and you are exhausted by all of the choices and all of the compromises you've made through the day. And so you just want to have a party in your mouth, don't you, Donald? You certainly do. I mean, and, you know, you might have heard the phrase white knuckling it. You know, you're just you're making fists as hard as you can (laughs) metaphorically um, to, you know, batten down your resolve. And there's only, you know, so many times you can do that. There's only so long that you can really do that before you're going to cave. And so that is what would happen to me over and over and over again. I was A, putting on this show for people at work, and B, I was, you know, good in air quotes throughout the day. And then I would get home and just like my desire to to stay on track would just completely disappear and I would give in. Right. So depending on where you are in your uh, your life, you've got work, family, maybe even managing loneliness. So think about how your resolve and your willpower goes throughout the day. We have so many different circumstances we're dealing with, whether it's managing stress, we're working out in the morning. So wow, we did the workout. Now we can do what we want to do. Right. We've got family, we've got work, and maybe even loneliness and isolation. We've got chores. We've got all these different things pulling on our willpower throughout the day. In the morning, so many times, because we're at full power, we'll think, okay, I feel great right now. And I'll just figure out tonight. Like, I I, I can't deal with it right now. But I'm confident I feel really good right now. Yeah, that tonight, I'll make the better choice. Even though yesterday, I had my hand in the chip bag until 10 o'clock at night. Tonight, I'll do better. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. But the day happens. And we push our choices down the road. We'll do it differently tonight. Magically, we'll be a different person because we learned our lesson from heartburn last night. I definitely won't do that tonight. Yeah, it's sort of that, you know, you wake up and you say to yourself, well, today is a new day. I am going to be a new person. I'm not going to make the same mistake I did last night. And then we do exactly the same thing and we expect a different result. Well, and I think, too, even throughout our weight loss journey adventures, we still deal with this. Like we're talking about this because it is still an issue for us and we have to stay present in our choices because we can get sloppy too once we've had some success of going like, oh, well, I can just have a blah, blah, blah. And I know I've said this before, but every time I say just, that's when my habits are eroding. I'll just have, I'll just figure it out later. Yeah. And hey, I just wanted to uh, an editorial comment really quick for new listeners, because it is January. We may have some people uh, jumping on board here. Um, Catherine said, Jern Venture. That's because a lot of people say weight loss journey, and And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to start saying adventure. And I hate that. So so we we combined (laughs) it to Jern Venture, which makes both of us upset. You put your journey in my adventure. You put your adventure adventure in my my journey. journey. Two great tastes that taste horrible Horrible together, together. but we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) But uh, yeah, anyway, trademark, 
We only look thin. We apologize for it. We haven't come up with anything better yet. But so let's go through the anatomy of an evening. We uh, we metaphorically or emotionally or literally get home and we throw our, you know, our high heels off, our yeah, boots, whatever I we throw got. my high heels off. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but this is what I used to do. I would grab a snack on the way home to get our daughter back in the day when people went outside. <laughs> you remember um, when you people remember went outside in the before times um but grab a handful of chips when you get home open up a beer or a glass of wine or maybe a soda you uh, are making dinner and you're you're having some snacks some blts bites licks and tastes as you're cooking and preparing maybe some crackers and cheese I used to eat 1,500 calories of hummus and crackers oh every God. night. And by the way, I've been married to her for a very long time, and a I did not know time. this was happening. Well, because you weren't home. I knew we had lots of hummus in the house all the time, but I had no idea. You thought idea. it was just one bucket that never expired? I didn't expired. know that an entire tub of hummus and crackers and butter, like you added butter on top of it, right? Well, I needed... I, I mean, look... We didn't get 100 pounds plus overweight <laughs> by not adding butter to no, hummus. Yeah. No, no, Why? It's a mystery. I don't <laughs> eat anything at work. It's such a big salad. Exactly. Um, so your evening routine, you're exhausted. You're getting the kids together. Maybe you're by yourself. We can name every single circumstance just to be sure everyone's covered. But then we sit down on the couch. We're scrolling the internet. Someone brings out a bag of chips. We bring out a bag of chips. And then suddenly we're mindlessly snacking and we're recuperating from all of of the decision fatigue that we accumulated throughout the day. I can't even bother to take and portion out the chips. I'm just going to grab the bag. I am confident I'll stop eating after I take one handful. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of crumbs. Oh, there's one that's uneven. Oh, I'll just take another bite. And suddenly the entire bag is gone. And we wonder, you know, why we did it. Yeah, and I spent so much time doing that. Um, I, I know we're still, we're not at the point where we're giving you our tips and tricks <laughs> You're yet, like, you're but just telling me my life. I am terrified to, even at this point in my Jern venture, uh, I am terrified of buying a like, you know, free and easy large bag of something. Like I have to buy everything and individually portion the sizes because it is it is a mental barrier and a physical barrier. You know, if I bought like the full size bag of cookies or chips, like I would sit down and eat it. Even now I would do that. Yeah, well that one's broken, so it's kinda sad and you gotta give it a new home in your mouth. Right, so. exactly. But I think the the big thing for me as I was making the notes for this episode uh, is that we feel like the daytime belongs to all of our obligations and the nighttime belongs to treats. The night doesn't belong to <laughs> anyone. <laughs> I wasn't sure which way I was going with that. The night belongs to us. Yeah, it belongs to Michelob. I is don't that know. The, the, the treats come out at night. We know that. The treats do come yeah. out at night. But we see the daytime belonging to our obligations, our work, our family, our, you know, chores, all of that. And then the nighttime is when we unwind. And just like when we're trying to train a pet to do tricks, to roll over, uh, to not scratch up the furniture, we give that dog a treat oh my when goodness. it does a good job. And we do that with ourselves. We see treats as a reward. And we convince ourselves that we deserve rewards. And what we're actually doing is punishing ourselves. Right. So think about that for a second. Do you see treats as an actual reward for all of the struggle that you've been in through the day? It also tastes delicious. Like I love food, always have. Yeah. Uh, 
delicious, delicious, but it is a reward. I see it as a reward for being overworked, underappreciated, underpaid, overtaxed, for having poor boundaries, having unmet expectations of others, and not being able to assert myself in the world. It's sort of, I mean, I've said it before, but I used to be a martyr to all of the overwhelm that I felt during the day. And my reward was unwinding with a bucket of hummus and a glass of wine to unwind from all of the stress of parenting, of work, of just normal life. And for me, it was usually an entire package of cheese (laughs) or sometimes just a giant block of cheese, which I wouldn't even bother cutting down. Block of cheese. Yeah. But treats also act as a buffer to our loneliness, to our procrastination. If I'm eating, like, I still do that. I'm like, I have a giant report to do. You know what? I think I need to treat about it first, and then I'll deal yeah. with it. I'll give myself a reward now, and it'll it'll suit me up for, for doing the work later. We see it as avoidance for action. So if you've got your hand in a bag of Cheetos and there's cheese dust all over your hand, <laughs> you couldn't possibly fold laundry right now. You got Cheetos all over your hand. You were talking about white lines earlier. For me, it's orange lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just our- want to snort Cheetos dust. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to uh, I don't want to brag, but our daughter actually the other day had the great idea. She wanted to give this as a tip of the week. Tao. Tao, everybody. Uh, well, maybe I should save it for later. I'm going to give it to you now just as a teaser um she used chopsticks to eat her little single size bag of cheetos the other day because Ah. she she wanted to be able to play video games while eating cheetos without getting cheese dust all over her hands so she really wanted us to make that a tip of the week yeah i'm not sure we want to encourage people to (laughs) to (laughs) eat more cheetos slower but. but whatever but uh I thought it was pretty funny. Anyway, but when we're unwinding, we associate it with relaxing, with time for ourselves. And part of that is the comfort of eating. And it actually, I'm not getting behind the science of it. I don't know if science is true or not. But <laughs> but there's actual, you know, like a metabolic change that happens. We release dopamines when we get that satisfaction of chocolate and comfort food. Like yeah. it is an actual thing that happens. And when we start... We don't want to stop. So the timing of when you eat that also matters. We'll talk about that later. So how do you justify your snacking or your treats, whatever it's savory, salty, sweet, whatever? Do you find yourself saying, I'll figure it out tomorrow. I'll Tonight I'll eat the treat, but tomorrow I'll do better. Yeah. I'll finish this bag and start fresh tomorrow. Oh, you know what? There's only three cookies left. I'll just finish this, get it out of the house. Then tomorrow it's a clean slate. Why bother? I'm alone. No one's going to see me do it. What's the point anyway? I'm never going to lose weight. Yeah. Everyone else can eat whatever they want. And I'll be left out if I don't enjoy it. Like we we know people who are like, oh, well, the kids are eating whatever. I don't want to you know, show them that I have an eating problem. So I'll just enjoy it with them because I don't want them to have a complex about eating. Well, and I also had this idea that it just wasn't fair. Like, why does it seem like everyone else can eat whatever they want and I can't? And I think that the reality is that everyone else is not eating whatever they want. And that you just don't see how hard other people are working behind closed doors. Right. I think boredom is a really big issue, too. You sit down, you're exhausted, you don't want to take any mental energy to do anything productive, which is fine. Like, we're not saying fill every moment of your life with activity. Right. But when you're bored, you just want to sit, and when that hand goes in the bag, like, 
it's over. I have definitely eaten out of boredom for sure. Definitely. And there's also the I'm home alone tonight. So I can kind of have one night of a giant splurge and no one's going to know. There have been times recently when Donald has been working late and our daughter is off in her room eating Cheetos with uh, chopsticks. With chopsticks, And then I'm like, hey, no one will know if I eat this treat. Like Donald thinks that there's just one never ending tub of hummus. Why don't I just eat it? Nobody <laughs> will know. I got to make room in the refrigerator. The never ending hummus. Whoa! Ooh, but, like, but like the horse is stuck in the hummus at the end. Oh no! Insta- oh no! This is not good. No, that's uh, not good at all. <laughs> this got dark. So what we're seeing here is a pattern of learned behavior. And in order to change our relationship with our nighttime eating, we have to change that pattern. We have to break those habits. And we have to create new patterns to replace the old ones. I know we've joked about it before, but in Indiana Jones at the very beginning, when he is trying to grab the golden statue head, he replaces it with bag of sand. And we're yeah. not saying replace your Cheetos with a bag of sand, <laughs> <laughs> but we have to break the pattern. We have to break the habits. James Clear talks about habit stacking. We do the same things in the same order every day. When we take a shower, we wash you know, the left side and then the right side and then our foot and then our hair. We do it the same way every time. We put our shoes and socks on the same way every time. And when we get into a habit of snacking, we do it the same way every night. We open the pantry and let the pantry tell us what we're going to have. We're going to look at eye level and see what is there to eat. We might not even be hungry, but we just have that pattern of behavior. And now we're going to talk about breaking those patterns. Exactly. So by now you're asking yourself, Donald and Catherine, I know all of this about myself, but what am I to do? (laughs) (laughs) What am I to do? (laughs) Well, we have a magical trick. So in order to break the cycle, the first thing to do is to tell yourself that your tomorrow self is not going to be magically imbued with the ability to change your habits. Pushing it off to your tomorrow self who will magically be older, wiser, smarter. You've learned your lesson tonight. That is That person doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't have any more willpower now than I did five years ago. Like, I didn't just somehow, you know, come up with a new store of it or figure out some willpower trick. I've just changed my habits. I've redesigned. I've basically redesign my entire life around the idea of stopping myself from binge eating at night. Right. And a lot of that is not willpower. It's creating an environment that makes it easier to make a better choice. If you have a drinking problem, hanging out at a bar all day is not the way to go. If you have an eating problem, hanging out around food 24-7 is not the way to go. No, for sure. So, Really consider step two after you realize you're not magically going to be a new person. Step two is to really look at that routine. What do you do when the sun goes down? Look at your habits. I see still so many people going, I don't know what to change. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what I do. I don't know how to make a change. And part of that is really examining your evening. Really, you know, if you were, uh, we, we talked about, 
you know, having an alibi. Look at your night. What do you do first? Do you sit on the couch with a bag of chips? Do you grab a glass of wine? Do you put on your pajamas and go and grab a bag of cookies? Do you eat bites, licks, and tastes as you're cooking? Really look and examine your night and see what your patterns are. Yeah, it's a really difficult thing to do to try and examine yourself dispassionately, but try and really look at your habits. What are you doing now? You know, imagine that you're, and we may have even said this on a different episode, but imagine like you're Jane Goodall, but instead of studying apes in the the forest, (laughs) gorillas in the mist, you are studying yourself and really look at what you're doing and try to analyze. And that is really what worked for me. You know, I figured out through trial and error how to structure my day so that I would be prepared for the onslaught of my willpower going and my desire to stuff my face with treats at night. Right. And the, uh, sorry, I'm just singing that disco song in my head now because I, I just can't not. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> treats come out at night. Yes, they do. So for me, and I have been doing this for five years now, like actually five years, which is kind of crazy, but five years ago, I was, like I said, eating treats when I got home. I would eat off of our daughter's plate. I would eat, you know, half a cup of hummus with chips while I was cooking. Yeah. I didn't think I was doing anything weird. I just thought that that's what I was doing. It took me realizing that I was secret eating my daughter's leftovers behind the pantry door before when I told her I was throwing them in the trash, (laughs) like realizing that I was literally hiding from an eight-year-old so that she didn't see that I was gorging myself on her food. I'm like, this is not a respectable way to live. You know, being like, no, 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 I'll get your plate. Don't worry about it. Yum, 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 yum. Like, that is not a classy way to behave. But it took really, like, examining that and seeing what example I was setting for her to make me want to change my behavior. So after you kind of consider your routine, um, we're going to talk about a bunch of practical ways that you can change your relationship with food at night. Um, there are there's some mindset stuff coming too, so I don't want to blow that. But first, we're going to talk about the, the practical <laughs> yeah, side. Please whisper it. We don't want anyone to know about that. Well, but I think that there's often like, okay, here's all the the tips and the tricks and the products of the week and stuff. But mindset is a really big part. We'll get to that. So. Yeah, for sure. So I think that everybody uh, is different, and I don't know if what works for me is going to work for everyone else. But I realized when observing my patterns that. I had all the willpower in the world in the morning. And in fact, for whatever reason, even though I'm somebody who's typically hungry all the time, I'm really not that hungry in the morning. And I like to think about my calories as sort of a reserve. I have a pile or it's kind of like, imagine it like money or something where there is a pile of them and I can take from them until the amount of calories I've allotted for myself is gone. And then at that point, there's nothing else to take. So in the morning, when I realized I wasn't that hungry, um, I decided that I was just going to not eat that much in the morning. And eventually, I ended up not eating anything in the morning. And so the step one for me was saving calories for the afternoon and then into the evening. Well, I think that's a really big thing because I know that my evening self (laughs) – 
wants more food. Oh, yeah. So just saving those calories for the evening. If I start, which I used to do, start my morning with a chocolate croissant and then get to work and eat candy all day and then go home and want candy all day. Yeah. That whole, you know, what Donald does, and I don't want to uh, blow what your your secret to success, but he saves his sweets and his chips and his treats until the evening. He doesn't do daytime sweets and chips and treats. Yeah. And that's, that's the next thing is that, you know, all of those breakfast foods that people love, not every basically, one of them, but it's basically like eating dessert in yeah, the morning, like, you know, pan, crunch. Pan Pancakes, croissants, cereal, um, you know, waffles, like all of those sort of, uh, you know, donuts, all that stuff is basically dessert yeah. in the morning. And if I start my day with dessert, I am off to the races. I mean, it. I know that I am capable of white knuckling it and having something treaty in the morning. And then I struggle and struggle and struggle all day and fight against the urge to eat more. But I don't want to live my life that way. So if I don't eat things that taste like treats, then it doesn't open those floodgates. And I don't have that like super crazy desire to keep going like I do if I end up having a treat during the day. Well, and I also, after losing 145 pounds, and this kind of gets into maintenance, is if you start testing yourself of like, well, I've already lost oh, 145 pounds. Yeah. I bet I can have a random chocolate croissant on a Tuesday. Right. I bet I'll be fine. I bet I'll be fine if I get half a dozen bagels. Like, I've done so well. Let me see if I can manage this like a thin person. And I yeah. can't. I can not do that. So the the big first step for me, I know Donald uh, doesn't eat until later in the day, but the big step is to really l examine your evening and plan your treat in the morning. When you are fresh, when you have that resolve, before you head off to work, before the kids get up, maybe get up earlier than you normally would, and literally get a Tupperware container, a plastic bag, a you know, a, a baggie of some kind, and literally plan your treat in the morning. If you know that you love to have Doritos and a cookie, plan it before the evening because at night you're going to go back for the whole bag. You're going to, you know, stick your hand in the, the granola bucket. I don't know. Are there granola buckets? Sure. Yeah. Granola buckets. Why not? Um, <laughs> trademark. We only look at That's right. Granola, granola bucket. buckets is the name of my new band. <laughs> They're very good. Um, but plan it in the morning. Literally go and scoop out your scoop of ice cream, put it in a Tupperware container, pre-track it. If you want cookies, plan out the cookies, put it in a separate Ziploc bag, and actually put it in a little container for yourself and have it, this is my Monday snack, this is my Tuesday snack, and make it your morning routine to do that. Because if you're making the decision at night when you're you know, getting cozy and settled, you're always going to go for that bigger portion. But when you do it before you're hungry, before you're exhausted, it can make that easier. You're letting go of that evening decision fatigue. Yeah, you're fighting that decision fatigue. Most days I plan and I even track my food that I'm going to eat all day. I track it in the morning. I put it into my uh, my Fitbit app and then I don't vary from that. I've already made the decision of what I'm going to eat and then I, I know this is, you know, again, one of those things that's not going to work for everybody, but I space it out so that I don't give myself the option to eat things at different times or weird times, unless something, you know, 
out of the ordinary comes out. Like I always eat lunch at 2 p.m. Then I have a 3 p.m. snack and a 4 p.m. snack and a 5 p.m. snack, etc. And <laughs> an hourly snack. <laughs> hourly snack up until dinner time. And that is two, you know, accomplishes a couple of things. One is it takes that decision away from me. It doesn't allow me to vary off course. And two, um, it stops me from getting too super hungry because I know that I've got another snack coming in the next hour. So I don't get that sort of, you know, desperate to eat feeling that I've had through most of my life. And because I'm not eating treats until after dinner, I'm eating filling protein-rich foods mostly or fruit, which are going to fill me up without a ton of calories, but make me feel full and stay full so that I'm not, you know, super desirous of going off plan. So the the big thing for me is staying out of the kitchen. That is where all of the regret happens. If I'm lingering in the kitchen, hanging out, oh, like, oh, I want to do the dishes. And oh, I want to, oh, I'll clear the plates. Don't worry. <laughs> like, oh, Catherine is so helpful. Yeah. She's so helpful. That's where all the secret eating is done because I'm in there by myself. So for me, it is critical to not spend time in the kitchen after dinner. I don't do the dishes. I don't clean up. I don't make lunch for tomorrow. I want to get lunch ready for tomorrow. You got to do that. Yeah, exactly. And you call upon Bridget and I to like hold you accountable yeah. to those things too. Like Catherine actually will say to us, hey, don't let me go in the kitchen or she will announce the kitchen is closed. And then we know that if we see her going in there to get something that we we should stop her from doing it. And that's her way of, of you know, uh, enlisting us to help keep her accountable. Right. And it's not like, I think at one point I was giving her my our daughter a dollar if I went back in the kitchen at a certain time. So she was eagle eyeing me. I know that that's impractical. We'll get to mindset stuff later. But don't convince yourself that you need to spend time in the kitchen. Don't say like, oh, well, the evening is a great time to reorganize the pantry. Oh, look, there's only four cookies left in this bag. I'll clear the shelf to make it better. Those are all lies that I tell myself. Those being helpful to myself in the kitchen at night is not actually helpful. Another big thing, and we've talked about it before, is keeping treats out of sight. Do not keep treats on top of the refrigerator, on the counter, in clear glass jars that look delightful, in the pantry at eye level. Don't keep it in sight because I don't think about treats when I don't see them. Yeah, I I buy um, these hundred, these small, like one ounce or less than one ounce bags of chips. Um, some of them are like 100 calories to 150 calories. And I will keep them under our bed so that I don't see them and it's an extra barrier for me to have to go get them. And then furthermore, buying them in the single serve packaging is another, it may just be a a mind barrier. It may not be a real barrier to some people, but I have to make a conscious decision to go get another one and open it. And it makes it much harder to lie to myself when I'm eating these like single serve individually packaged items that I can't just, you know, grab an extra handful in. Oh, it's just an extra handful. What's the big deal? Well, and for me too, Donald can moderate his chips and I've talked about it before. I find it very difficult to moderate chips. And so I actually in the month of December decided that I was going uh, on a chip freeze. Chip freeze, that's what I called it. (laughs) Bought a t-shirt and a hat to remind me. But 
he can moderate and I have a harder time doing that. So I actually told our daughter and I told Donald, I am going to abstain from chips this month aside from Christmas. So I actually had one bag of chips on Christmas and it went fine. But for me, I had to announce it. I had to decide on the day that I was going to do it in advance and it was fine for me. But there are some things that I just cannot have in the house. I have to tell myself those chips are not my chips. Like, it's almost like you have a roommate yeah. that, you know, like, oh, you don't eat your roommate's food. Or if you're at work, like going and eating your coworker's sandwich is like garbage behavior. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, I have sure. to say, like, that shelf of food is not my shelf. That is our daughter's shelf. Those chips are Donald's. Those candies are Donald's. And it helps to kind of separate myself from it. Because if I start negotiating with myself, it's all over. Yeah, and I do that with your cheese. Like you have cheese. That oh yeah, you, I don't really like, care about cheese that you put on things. And I, you know, I have to tell myself that is your cheese, so that I won't, you know, get into it. Yeah, and cheese isn't really a big draw for me. Is it's a weird. big draw for me. Um, but I do it with. Uh, I buy like little mini candy bars too um, to eat as my nighttime treat, and I actually seal them into a you know Tupperware container with a screw on lid and put them in the bottom drawer of the refrigerator so that it just gives me that extra difficult barrier to get to them. Right. And there are people, too, who say that it is wasteful to buy individual servings of things. But really, if you're sitting down with a half gallon of ice cream and you're eating all of it in one night, that's not saving anybody any money because that becomes a single serving. Yeah, for sure. So for us, we actually, and luckily our daughter is lazy and doesn't want to scoop out ice cream. We actually bought this, like, package of individual serving ice cream cups and they're 120 calories each and it's good ice cream it's not like the best ice cream in the world but it's good enough and that single serving is enough of a barrier i don't have to scoop it out i don't have to lick the spoon i don't have to negotiate with myself i can just have the single dixie cup so really those individual servings of the cookies that donald buys that are the individual package servings the individual cartons of ice cream All of that matters because then we don't have to negotiate the portions. Now, sure, if we're feeling like food monsters and want to go back for third and fourth portions, like this isn't going to solve everything. I didn't get to 145 pounds more than I weigh now because I didn't know that individual servings happened. Like if I wanted to eat, I was going to eat. So these are all just little tools that you can put together. Another big one is, and this helps with our daughter too, is if you live with other people, buy their favorite foods, not your favorite foods. So our daughter is much more into the gummy candy Oh, yeah, and white, white chocolate white and things chocolate. like that, which I don't care about, or, you know, vanilla Oreos, which also I don't care about. Yeah, so buying her favorites that she can moderate helps me not eat them because it's not my favorite food. If we have to choose between, uh, you know, lemon vanilla Oreos and chocolate Oreos, I want the chocolate Oreos. Oh, but the, for sure. the lemon ones, like, they can go stale and I don't really go for them. Right. Also, another big thing, and we did a whole episode uh, on this. I can't remember what it's called right now, but we did an episode where we talked about pair. Oh, pairing is caring. That's what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About keeping those favorites that you love in your life, but not in your home. Pairing your favorite ice cream outside of the house when you get your 
you know, your car washed, when you get gasoline, when you go to Costco, have a single treat outside of the home. Because when you start buying Costco treats to bring home, because it's a value tub of Nutella for five pounds of Nutella, that'll over the course of a year, it's like free Nutella. Right. Don't buy the bulk items that you know you can't moderate. Have an individual Nutella cup at Target, like they have the individual little servings. It's still 250 calories of Nutella, but have it once a week. Have it when you pair it with something else, going to the bank, paying your rent or your mortgage. Have it as part of your life, but not in your house if you can't moderate it. And I, you know, this is probably more of a mindset tip than anything else, but we're not saying that saving money isn't important. We're not saying that getting a good value isn't important. We're not saying that saving the environment isn't important. Of course, all of those things are super important. But when you are somebody like Catherine and I are, who come up with every excuse in the book to eat a lot of food, you have to be very mindful of who are you really saving? Like, what are you really saving? And who are you really saving if you're punishing your health, which is something you cannot get back and cannot replenish? You have to be really mindful of the fact that you might just be coming up with an excuse to eat a giant bag of something or a giant box of something, you know, in order to save money or to save the planet. Right. So aside from changing your portions and your timing, another thing that you can do is modify your transition times. If you're used to coming home, kicking off your shoes and grabbing a beer or grabbing a handful of chips, changing that pattern really matters. So like Donald said, pre-planning your treats, you only have them after dinner. If you start eating snacks as soon as you get home or as soon as the kids are done with school, you're going to just keep going on it. And I know I do that. I used to have um, 90 calories of this little crunchy treat during the day. It was sweet, but it was only 90 calories. But it sort of awoke that sugar rush, and I just wanted more and more and more. So that 90 calories was turning into two, 300 calories because oh, I'll just have a chip, and oh, I'll just have a this, and yeah. I'll have a that. And then suddenly I'm out of calories by dinner, and I go, well, you know what? I just want to you know obey my body and listen to my, my, uh, my signals, so I'm going to have my dessert, and then tomorrow I'll figure it out. I realized I couldn't have that sugary treat during the day. I had to save it until after dinner. And sometimes making that choice for yourself, I am a person who does not eat treats until after dinner. It really matters to just make that rule for yourself so you're not negotiating. For sure. Another one for me is huge. Donald, you know, we don't do intermittent fasting, but for me, closing the kitchen at 8 p.m., I know I talk about it all the time. I am not having salads at nine o'clock at night. I'm not, you know, going for, you know, baby carrots. I am going for treats and putting that boundary on myself, either, you know, putting uh, your a timer on your watch, setting some sort of alarm, changing your brightness level on your phone uh, for 8 p.m. nighttime mode, telling yourself the kitchen is closed at 8 o'clock. There's no more food after 8 p.m. It's closed. It's over. Really does matter. And sure, if you're actually hungry and your stomach is rumbling, go for an apple. If, if I'm really hungry, 
do you want an apple? No, I want chips and treats. Well, then you're not really hungry. You just want your mouth is bored and you want something to do. Exactly. Another tip is the Mr. Rogers effect. We all watch Mr. Rogers. If you're a good person, you watch Mr. Rogers wherever you are in the world. Absolutely. And he had that transition when he walked into his house. He changed out of his jacket into his sweater. He changed out of his shoes into his sneakers. And having a transition in your evening of as soon as I put on my slippers, the kitchen is closed. As soon as I put on my pajamas, the kitchen is closed. Having an actual representation of a change in your um, your physical appearance, you know, when I brush my teeth, when I wash my face, whatever it is, having it, that means the kitchen is closed. Associating those two things together can make a difference if you're struggling. I know, I think we've said it before, but it's like dress for the job that you want. If you're if you want to work out, wearing your pajamas isn't going to happen. Right. If you tell yourself pajama equals kitchen is closed, it can actually make a difference for sure. And it's you know it's kind of a a little trick yourself thing, but it works. Yeah. So another one, and I know I talked about the kitchen being closed, but remove yourself from where the food is. Tell yourself that you do not eat food while sitting on the couch. You know if it's not planned. Tell yourself that you do not eat food in your bedroom. I remember watching like Laverne and Shirley and Laverne would always have milk and Pepsi and like cookies in bed. So disgusting. But she would like eat food in bed. I think I used to do that. I would eat cookies in bed and there'd be crumbs on my side of the bed. Who knows why? I don't know. Yeah, I would eat food everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Would you eat it in a chair? Sure, I'd eat it anywhere. Exactly. But tell yourself, you know, there is a food barrier. There's Once I enter the bedroom, there is no food. Once I sit on the couch and I'm wearing slippers, there is no food. Another thing is changing the actual routine because so many of us are so exhausted from our day's activities. We are not saying that you have to plan every second of your day, but so much of it is muscle memory and chewing memory. We associate sitting on the couch watching TV with eating and snacking. So something to do is to really look at your evening routine and see what you might be able to change up. If you're a person who usually showers in the morning, take a shower at night and that is your cue to kind of get out of the the area of food. So much of eating too is out of boredom and just sort of, like I said, muscle memory. Change what you do with your hands at night. Work on a puzzle. Learn how to do cat's cradle. Learn how to knit, not for the sake of knitting for your whole family, but keeping your hands busy. I know another thing that helped our daughter too, uh, she has some attention deficit issues. And having something, they're called fidgets, if you have a fidget. Doing something with your hands that's kind of mindless but distracts you from that impulse to put your hand up to your face. Yeah, and they have these like, they have these little toys almost that, that really can help people uh you know stay interested that you can play with with your fingers yeah squishy toys those like magnetic things that you can mess around with your hands and there's plastic ones with like different like buttons and dobs and dobs and (laughs) niles uh knobs and dials on them but you can do scrapbooking you can do moist moisturizing gloves make it a ritual that you're actually you know buffing your fingernails and moisturizing your hands hot tea instead of a treat at night. Even like a hot chocolate for me, there's one that's 70 calories that it takes me, it's boiling hot as the, hot as the surface.
surface of the sun, having that and sipping that while I'm watching television helps instead of just having a chocolate or something that goes down really fast. Yeah. Now, if you're the kind of person that would rather have a scalding hot throat than <laughs> you know, so that you can have that chocolate, then maybe that's not for you, but, uh, but it works for Catherine. But also for us at night, there's a lot of times where, where we will rebound instead of sitting on the couch. Because when I sit, I just am like, oh, I'm cozy and I want to eat. So rebounding while watching Netflix really helps with that too. And on a final thought for changing your routine, if you're used to doing a mindfulness meditation or yoga in the morning, you can have it as an evening routine. There are free apps uh, like Calm and even on Fitbit, they have a couple of mindfulness uh, routines that you can do for five minutes. Having that as an emotional transition of recentering yourself and recommitting at night can matter. Yoga with Adrian also has five-minute evening bedtime yoga routines. And that can be your kind of mental switch to the kitchen is closed, food is over, and really winding down for the night. Now, I know we've given you tips and tricks left and right of how to kind of manage your food situation. And all of it is, it's not gimmicky, but it's like the all these little tips and tricks to kind of get you through. But really, in the end, all of this is mindset. I know I hinted at it earlier by saying, don't worry, we'll get to mindset later. And whispered it. And now the moment has arrived. It has come. All of this culminates in mindset. Reminding yourself that you are capable of doing hard things matters. It is important to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Routines are there because it's easy and mindless. We have to get uncomfortable with making choices that are at first going to feel uncomfortable. When I started tracking five years ago, literally five years ago, I felt like the world was against me, that it wasn't fair, that nobody else had to do this. But guess what? This is my burden in life. Yeah. And I will happily take tracking over being overwhelmed, overwork, exhausted, muscles aching, tired, sad, depressed all of the time because food was making me sick. And we talk to ourselves all the time and say we deserve things that our, you know, life is unfair, that we had a hard day, that we deserve a treat. And what we're really doing is punishing ourselves. Yeah. And getting out of that mindset of food being a treat and a reward and instead realizing that the reward is your health. The reward is hitting your goal weight and how amazing that feels and how amazing the rest of your life can be uh, when you achieve that goal. And not thinking to yourself that this food is some sort of reward for you. Like, I am a fantastic liar to yeah. myself. Oh my gosh. I am able to talk myself into anything. And realizing, making that mindset change and realizing that I was lying to myself and calling myself yeah. on my own lies has been one of the biggest steps, if not perhaps the biggest step in hitting and maintaining my goal weight. No, 100%. And it is so hard to be honest with ourselves, but the payoff is everything. We still have treats in our life. We are not people who have changed our mindset from, you know, you got to live to eat and eat to live, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're not saying that you just divorce yourself from all 
food because food is delicious, but we have figured out ways to keep it in our lives in a mindful and purposeful way so that I do get to enjoy those treats, but just in smaller portions. But it doesn't happen magically. You're not suddenly a new self tomorrow. You don't shame yourself into, you know, okay, I've hit rock bottom. I'm definitely going to change tomorrow. It happens by making the changes day after day and being comfortable with the discomfort. Please remind yourself that nothing is going to change unless you change your habits. Yes, indeed. Habits are everything. Mindset is everything. Making it easy to make better choices matters. Setting some boundaries with yourself. Because for me, like Donald said, I lied to myself all the time. I need this. I deserve it. I'll change tomorrow. All of those negotiations never worked out and they got me miserable. Being comfortable with the discomfort and remembering that you are an adult capable of doing hard things and changing your habits matters. If we can do this, you can do this. I had no proof up until age 41 that it was possible for me to lose the weight. And I did. You can make the changes too, but you have to start making the changes even when it feels unfair. You can do this. You can do this. Trust us. If we can do it, you can do it. Nobody was uh, was better at lying to ourselves and eating ourselves into oblivion than Catherine and I. Exactly. And if you are listening to this podcast, you clearly are capable of making good choices, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, or even if you don't, all of our episodes are available wherever you found this one, uh, and they are also available on our website, weonlylookthin.com. And if you are at our website, you can also click on the Join Our Support Group link and find out more about our women's support group, Walt Place, W. W-O-L-T place. It is a Facebook accountability group for women. It is not a weight loss plan, but it is a support group to get tips and ideas and insights from other members and support uh, where you might not be able to find it uh, in your day-to-day life. So uh, you can find out more there. We have two options for joining the group. One is a monthly subscription that comes with a three-day trial to see if it works out for you and a three-month subscription where you get seven days complimentary to see if Walt Place is right for you. That is a great idea. Uh, and if you would uh, like to get more of our uh, brand of shenanigans and uh, health and fitness advice, you can follow us on the socials at We Only Look Thin, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Yeah. And if you have ideas for episodes or things that you'd like to be a part of, you can send us an email at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. You can ask us questions. Uh, we Sometimes it takes us a while to get back to it, but... Uh, send us an email. We'll get back to you with an answer. We sure will. And if you're saying to yourself, Donald and Catherine have really helped me out. I'd like to help them out. You can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. We have over 400 five-star ratings, and we would love to get uh, another one from you. (laughs) We sure would. Uh, And uh, that really helps people find us. Uh, The more ratings and reviews we have, the more Apple boosts us in search results when people are looking for podcasts like ours. And we would be grateful. We sure would. So if you're still not sure about the difference between disco duck and decision fatigue, (laughs) just remember that Donald and I are are an inspiration.
The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.